Hey there! Welcome back to another episode of Brown Coats Black Magic. I'm Orlando. And I'm Pooja. And we are so jazzed to talk about what we're going to talk about, because this is the week of E3. Oh, yeah. It's, y'all, y'all, we still in E3 as of recording, so... It's new stuff popping off every day. We may not get, you know, to the last day because it didn't happen yet, but a lot did happen and we are so jazzed to talk about it. Yeah. If for those of you who don't know, E3 is, I think it stands for like Entertainment Electronic. Electronics Expo or something. I think, I think it's the, I think it's the other way around. I could be wrong, but yes, electronics and entertainment and expo are the three E's. Basically what happens is, all the big gaming companies, all the video game makers that come to this conference, they're showcasing their new games. They're letting people play demos. The major, major, like, AAA publishers do presentations, like showcase presentations, where they show off the games that are going to be coming out over the next year or two. In the case of Kingdom Hearts 3, maybe never. Oh, or other games we can talk about that we are just shocked as shit that were revealed. Yeah. So Yeah, so there were a lot of great reveals this year. Um and I think we're going to go like kind of company by company is the easiest way to block yeah. it out. The first company to start was Bethesda. Yes, and they had a huge reveal of several games actually, like really big franchises. The first of which was Doom. Doom. Which is like this first person shooter. It's been I mean, Doom has been a series for as long as I can remember. That's a long time, boo. Uh, maybe not quite that long, hopefully. Or at least as long as I was aware of video games <laughs> being a thing. How about that? Yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, Doom is a big series. And I had actually forgotten that Bethesda had acquired the IP and was going to publish it with ID or id software. I had to catch up there for a minute. It looked really good. Yeah, it looks amazing. And I really hate first-person shooters. Me too. So that was really cool, and they're also instituting this whole, like, modding system so players can, like, easily create their own maps and create their own scenarios. Yeah, which is really cool, and that kind of ties into what they announced, which I don't remember the name of it. Um, I want to say it called Bethesda.net after Battle.net, but it's their online kind of service that takes care of all their games in the way that Battle.net does. Do you know the name of it? I don't remember it. No, I wasn't really yeah. paying that much attention to that. Yeah, to be, I watched To be perfectly it. honest, I was yeah. like not that interested in that part of it. But yeah, it seems really cool because it's this something that you see a lot on the PC side of gaming mm-hmm. is companies and games being into like modding and, and players getting involved and in creating their own worlds off of things. But you don't see it very often, or you haven't seen it in the past very often, with console games. Yeah. And Doom is out is coming out for console and PC. Yeah. And these kinds of tools will be available to both. And I think that's really awesome, and it's a great step forward. Yeah, I agree. I think Bethesda had a fantastic showing at the C3. I mean, I was just like, well, we started off with a bang. What's going to happen next? And after Doom, Fallout 4 was revealed. And, you know, it looked, again... Really freaking good. Uh, Fallout 4 um, looks amazing. And they showed yeah. a lot of footage. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a big fan of post-apocalyptic games. I own Fallout 1 and 2 because they're old school, made by, you know, Interplay and um, Black Isle and great video game companies that I love that made other fantasy role-playing games. But Fallout 4 looks freaking incredible. Like, the character creation was just like, what? Oh, I love <laughs> that part of it. And just, like, the fact that... 
I saw a little bit of guff in the blurred community about mm-hmm. how the Fallout 4 trailer featured, like that they released before E3, featured a white male protagonist. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, I got it. People want to see people of color, but let's wait until we see a little bit more. And they right. showed a lot more. You can yeah. customize every single thing about your character and they, you know, swap back and forth between a bunch of characters that they had made. Mm-hmm. And there were people represented from all walks of life at that point. Yeah, there were all kinds of skin tones and-, and, you know, people who could be Latino. And, mm-hmm. well, there was nobody who looked like me, but I'm used to um, that. You're going to have to accept am- ambiguously brown. Am- you're just yeah, going to have to. There was, there was <laughs> definitely a little bit, at least, of ambiguously brown going on. And right. you can play as a female character as well. Which is brilliant. I feel like finally, as of this E3, like, you get to see that option in a number of games where they're like, yeah, you, you can play as a female and that makes sense if you want. And it's, for me, it feels, and I'm sure you felt this way for a long time, but it feels like, well, duh, why wouldn't you? But I can think back and I never felt, oh, well, there needs to be a female character here. I can only imagine as a woman where you're like, God, another dude, you know, and that's just, I mean, it's, I think it's great that this E3 has taken so many strides towards being inclusive. Um, it definitely yeah. feels, feels good. I mean, at least in, we're starting to be represented in the games, if not yeah. in the developers or the presenters at the conference. All, you know, one thing at a there time. There were two. There were like two female yeah. presenters yeah. in all of the major studios. Yeah. I remember that one game. I don't remember the one. It was but the Deaf Girl. I remember her. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's, that's a woman. She's talking. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. And then I guess you have, you texted me, actually. You're like, Elder Scrolls Legends collectible card game from elder scrolls bethesda-ness yeah and i thought you might get a kick out of that i did that actually i was most excited about that i was just like oh shit <laughs> like, <laughs> oh and in my mind i instantaneously it was like building the game system like oh so they're going to go to each of the different factions and each faction will represent different things and different ra- like i got so geeky on myself i was like you need to calm down it they didn't show yet. you they didn't show you anything no gameplay they just showed you some cg and then you just got yourself all excited, soiled your pants, and <laughs> calm down. Okay, there's nothing to see here. There really isn't anything to see here. Oh, so, well, um, but I mean, I'm excited. There was at least a little bit to see from Dishonored too. Though just, oh yeah, just about as much. And that was also looked like a female protagonist in Dishonored right. too. Right, you can totally play as a female. I think this lady was featured in the first game. I didn't play Dishonored, but I think she's a character in the first game. So I think it's great that they're giving her agency and the player agency to play an established character in their lore. It's just like, duh, why not? You know? So it's great. I think that's just, again, great, great example of Bethesda's consciousness. And they've always been really inclusive in a lot of ways. Um, I'm speaking specifically with Elder Scrolls, like from Jump with Elder Scrolls, there were just brown people, black people, snake people, you know, Range, whole range for people. It's really, really great. Yeah, um, it is really nice to see them continuing in that trend, even when it doesn't necessarily like specifically serve the narrative. Yeah, does yeah. that make sense? Because yeah, of course, because, they're just in the world. <laughs> yeah, like brown people are people too. Yeah, we're here. And then I think the other thing um, was the Fallout Shelter game on the iOS. Yeah, apparently um, that's coming to Android in the coming months. Dude, when this game got announced, I was like, oh, great, another phone game. And then they started showing footage, and then they were like, oh, it's a little like XCOM, it's a little like The Sims. And I'm like, you guys have a winner. I was watching the presentation, and I saw this game, and I saw the like gameplay of it, and I was like, I need this right now. So I yeah. got on the Play Store on my phone right away, Aww. and I'm like, I hate you so much right mm. now. You know what else? 
I came so close. I attempted to pre-order the Pip-Boy edition yeah. of Fallout 4 because you okay, can get a real up. life. Yes. Like Pip-Boy is how you like interface with your stats and your inventory and stuff like that in the Fallout games. It's and your it's PDA. like this huge cuff that goes on your arm and they're making a real version of it. So the Pit Boy is like an established huge thing in the Fallout world. It is your phone. It is your communication device. It's your life sustenance. It's it's how you survive in the world around you. And as Pooja said, you can get a real one, more or less. You basically plug in your phone, download the Pit Boy free app, and you can interface with that as if you had a freaking Pit Boy in real life. It is. It's a Pit Boy. And I tried to order it on Amazon and it was already sold out. Of course, Bethesda kicked ass like i mean seriously this was like the best the best collectors like normally i do turn up my nose at collector's edition stuff i'm like oh whatever this i saw it and i was like i need this in my life i need this now and it's not cheap it's like what 80 dollars like 120 oh damn look i was like 80 is really cheap because that's what i remembered but yeah 120 is about right i'm not gonna lie like i was like okay yeah i'd pay 120 for that because it's a whole thing and it's a real thing that you can then plug your phone into and like have and it's like a cosplayer's dream right it's totally a cosplayer's dream you're totally right i mean bethesda you know what i i I didn't intend to rank any of these but i'm gonna give you an a (laughs) i'm gonna give you an a bethesda i think bethesda Um, gets an a plus on e3 this year the next company up, I think, would be Microsoft. Yeah. And they had a few things to introduce. I mean, in terms of stuff that I was really excited about, you know what looked so effing cool? And I'm not really into this kind of technology, but the HoloLens looked amazing. It did look cool. Yeah. I mean, all that VR stuff they did with Minecraft and all that other stuff. I was and just Minecraft like... being made specifically as like a VR game, like not just like the VR slapped on them, mm-hmm. but... Mm-hmm integrated if it works really anything like it looked in the in the presentation integrated so well and it was just this yeah. cool like almost lawnmower man-esque if yeah you know, the graphics were better <laughs> no the evil overlords totally like won. the evil geniuses at microsoft were like we bought minecraft everyone's hooked on it we have this awesome virtual reality thing we're going to show this at e3 we're going to integrate two different players like it was just a masterstroke. Like, it was just ridiculous. I couldn't believe that they pulled that off the way that they did. And I was like, I don't even want an Xbox One because I'm not a Microsoft Xbox guy. But I was like, this this is really good. <laughs> yeah, it looked amazing. But for those people who are out there and they are Xbox people and they do have an Xbox One, which is the current gen console, apparently the Xbox One is going to be backwards compatible to the 360. So you can play your 360 games on your Xbox One. Which is like, A, a no-brainer. Look, from now on, anything created for the pleasure of a video game stuff needs to be backwards compatible. Stop messing around. You're not, you're not helping yourself or doing anybody any favors. Like, get out of here. Yes. And I'm really glad that Microsoft stepped up and was like, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna do that. And what's also cool is that they released, I guess, a newer version of their Xbox One that has one terabyte hard drive. And, uh, also I think comes with some other feature I didn't check because I wasn't paying that close attention. And But it also lowered the price of the existing one, which is brilliant. So the older, I guess, Xbox One is now $400. It, I think, dropped down to 350 So 
Again, lower the price, you're going to sell some units. Microsoft, doing it right. Well, finally, since, you know, this generation sales, they've been behind the PlayStation 4 for years now. Right. And, well, you know, that's because of the silly choices they made. Um, But we're going to talk about this E3 and and not not the past past one. Right. But there was one game from Microsoft that really caught my eye and was really Mm -hmm. like, I need to find that friend with the Xbox One to play this. (laughs) And it was ReCore. Oh, I don't remember it. Tell me about it. So they just showed a like a pre-rendered trailer. There was an actual gameplay or anything about it. But it mm-hmm. this girl is in this like post-apocalyptic world and she has like a robot dog with her. Mm. They're like exploring this place and they get in a fight with a bunch of other like machines that kind okay. of look like mechanical spiders. Huh. You have to watch this trailer. It's really actually amazing. The art style is great. I saw it described as like a cross between Star Wars and Wally, mm-hmm. and it actually describes it really well. It does give that kind of Pixar-ish feeling, and also like a little bit of like that JRPG anime style as well. Okay, it was really, really looked so great. I'll definitely check it out. Um, other games that they had, uh, they showed another Destiny expansion, which is cool. A lot of my friends are really into this game. I mean, I mean, it's a shooter essentially, but I saw some of the gameplay, and they kind of added this you know, trope-filled fantasy vibe to it. I don't know if you saw this. And I guess some of the characters are, like, called warlocks. And, of course, you know, it's still a shooter. You're out to take out some boss. But it had, like, that kind of overlay, which appeals to me, right? So that was kind of cool. I was like, oh, you know. I mean, the the name of the expansion and the primary antagonist apparently is something called the Taken King. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it definitely feels, you know, a little bit sword and sorcery, which I like. That might bring us to EA. EA. All right. I have nothing to say about EA. (laughs) You know what? There is a sequel to Mirror's Edge, which was like a parkour style game Mm -hmm. that looked fun. But the game that I would love to talk about with EA, and this is another one that tugged on the heartstrings, got me really excited, was called Unravel. Okay. What's that about? It's from, I think, a Swedish developer. Okay. And it is this anamorphic kind of like yarn creature. And Mm -hmm. you use yarn to go through the game and yes, like complete I physics do remember puzzles. This. And yes. the idea is that you're putting pieces of this person's life back together. I yeah, I do remember seeing that and hearing a lot of really awesome buzz for it. It's not I don't think it didn't really like jump out at me as something that I'd like, but it did like get a lot of positive feedback and it did seem pretty cool. I have to say that like I think because I, I watched the footage and like, you know, the trailer was really sweet, but it was the presenter. Yeah. The developer was so earnest and so in love with this little guy. He had a oh, little, that's so cool. he had a little yarny. He had the that's guy awesome. that he made to create the game yeah. with him on stage. And it was the cutest, like most sincere, most like this game has got to be good because you are obviously so in love with what you're doing here. Like you believe in it so much. Yeah. That's, you know, look, if that's what they tell you in marketing kids, like if you like the product, you just need to talk to people about it and it will infect their minds and souls. Sounds like it got you. And that's great because it sounds like a really cool game. But that was, you know, it's EA. I, I yeah. come into everything at this point. <laughs> I come arms into crossed. everything that they put out with arms crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mass Effect Andromeda, I think, is the only thing that made me kind of twitch an eyebrow. I wouldn't even give it a full raise. I kind of played Mass Effect. It's like, you know, a great franchise. People love Mass Effect. And Mass Effect Andromeda was announced to come out in holiday 2016. And that's cool. You know, I'm like, yeah, another decent RPG from Bioware set in space. Pretty much a shooter, but that's okay. That, yeah, that's the not... only thing that kind of made a blip on my radar. 
Who came after EA? Ubisoft. Ubisoft. I have a soft spot, a Ubisoft spot, an Uber <laughs> soft spot for Ubisoft. Like, I love this company. And for a lot of people, they're just the French EA. And you know what? I think that is, you can, I see your point of view. I just have a lot of affection for their games. I think they put a lot of loving care in almost all their games. They have like 40 million studios around the world that work. But I think a lot of the games they put out, Child of Light, some Assassin's Creed's, and a bunch before, more. The problem was Assassin's Creed was a great series before they decided to make it a yearly series. Yeah, they hoard it out. And we're not even going to multi, like it's actually biannual, triannual at this point. Like new shit comes out every week. And the, yeah, I agree. I agree with you 100%. And that's just the big business model, right? We've got a brand. Let's, you know, push it as far as we can. Let's oversaturate the market with it so hardcore. And we alienate everyone who once loved it. Basically. By you know, putting out subpar unfinished product. Yay! Mm, can't, can't argue with you. Can't argue but, with you. you know what? The new Assassin's Creed didn't look that bad. No, it actually didn't. And then also, um, they have this game called The Division. And I know I just said I don't like shooters. This game is gorgeous. It's set in post-apocalyptic Manhattan, which is kind of redundant. Let me be real. Ooh. And so I said it. But it actually looks so I mean, just incredible graphics. Like, and I'm not a graphics dude. I'll play Pong or whatever. I'm an ASCII dude. I downloaded this RPG called Sanctuary that's like made of ASCII. What you know, they, and, you're, you're gonna have to explain. I know what ASCII is, but I can okay. tell you for a fact, you know not everybody listening does. Okay, ASCII is abbreviated from American Standard Code for Information Interchange. <laughs> this is so nerdy. <laughs> this is so old school. So there was a lot of games that came out before. I guess in the early 80s and maybe before um, that didn't have graphics, but the little characters on your keyboard and that kind of created the art for the world. And ASCII art still persists in emails and forums all around the, the world today. But that's how games were represented visually. Now, that said, The Division is as far away from that as you possibly can get. I just couldn't get over it. Also, it seems to be a shooter with like RPG elements and kind of persistence, which really intrigues me. There's kind of like a class system. Um, it kind of actually looked like an XCOM game put in real time. And that sounds ridiculous, but it actually looked so good. I'm so hyped for this game. And I don't, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy a shooter. I, what am I saying? What? Who are you? <laughs> right. What have you done to me, Ubisoft? Yeah, I have so. to say, like, I, I thought the, you know, presentation looks good, but it was definitely a game where I was like, I would love to watch somebody else play that. Well, I guess I'll be coming down and popping that in the old PS4. Once, you know, I finally take the plunge yeah, into right. getting one. Though, you know, as you're going to hear coming up, there are a lot more reasons than there had been in the past for me to go ahead and get a PS4 this year. You ain't lying. There was one more game that looked so cool, but... I'm like confused, I guess, as to actually what the gameplay will be like. Anno 2205. Oh, is... there's Anno 2020. It's on Steam, I think. But it's the, I guess, their newest city builder. Uh, and it looked gorgeous. Yeah. And I'm like, is this like Civ 5? Because if it's like Civ 5, I'm so there. Or is yeah. it like City Skylines? Or I, I feel like, I don't know. I've never touched it. I think it's more like City Skylines. That's just my vibe. I could be wrong. Yeah, City Skylines is supposed to be a great game, too. Um, I have so but, many friends who are really into that game, and I just yeah. am not city builders. Not not your thing. I just don't. I don't get the building thing. The simulation thing is not yeah. for me. I just. Yeah. It's too much. Like, where am I going with this? What is the point? Yeah. Well, you know, Sim Sim City and 
civilization all basically have the same root, you know? It's kind of like shit is happening and, you know, deal with it, build yeah, stuff. And like, in Civ, you're, you're trying to win. There are win conditions and you win against the other civilizations. Yeah. I feel like in other simulators, it's just like, here, run this city. And I'm just, I'm not just for like, you. and. I kind of feel that it? way. I no, I feel like it's not quite that, but I do feel that way about games like Roller Coaster Tycoon and like other games that do that same thing. I feel like some build a roller coaster. Oh, there was another game. I saw a presentation <laughs> that was like of a new roller coaster tycoon kind of game, and I was mm-hmm. like, "This is so cute!" Like this. Okay. Th- this trailer was super cute, and I was like, "If the, if I thought the gameplay would be anything like this." I'd be down with it. But as it is, I just kind of want an entire cartoon, like, series of shorts based on this one dude that's in your trailer. Hmm. But, I mean, it's the downside of super, super early trailers, too. When you're not showing gameplay and you are just showing kind of like you're trying to get the feel across. Yeah, trying to get people hype. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, speaking of hype, let's get to what made me really hype. Oh, yeah. It's time. It's time for the behemoth of the room. It's time for Sony. Sony won the previous E3 when announcing the PS4. People are like, you know, you did good, Sony. You knock on top yourself. And they may not have necessarily topped themselves, but given what they released, which was a lot, uh, they basically stole the show in my estimation. I was just shocked. Well, <laughs> so I mean, I'm, let's let's stop. Let's stop keeping the beating people around in the bush. Yeah, they are Y'all doing are an know. actual, real HD remake of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, it's Final coming, Fantasy people. VII. The real, actual Final Fantasy VII remake that has been rumored, that has been thought about, has been talked about for years. It is coming. They are working on it. And they showed this little tiny snippet of a trailer that was like, oh, hell yes. I need this. I need this. And it was so hype. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's videos on the internet of people watching this, you know, as it streamed. And they are freaking out. Like, the nerds, and I consider myself one of these people. When they kind of like alluded to, oh, and now we have something you've waited for a long time. Already like the hackles on the back of your neck get raised. And like, and then like the, the music starts yeah. and you just start to like, and just the whole the Japanese, atmosphere and everything. The Japanese names. When I saw like Nomura-san and like all these other names, I was just like, wait, wait, this is going to be, um, um, like literally I screamed twice, woke my brother up. He came out of the room. He was like, what do you, <laughs> what is wrong with you? I was like, Final Fantasy VII remake is happening. You know, oh, like, man. just it was, like I watched the Sony stream live and. I have a couple of friends who like had stuff to do that couldn't catch it live. And I was like, so I couldn't even. I was like, I can't spoil it for them. This moment. But like, I want to so badly. This was everything. This is literally like half the world was like, I'm going to buy a PS4 so I can play this game. The thing is, it's not an exclusive to Sony. Apparently, it's maybe a timed exclusive. So it's going to come to other platforms. Xbox One. And I guess PC down the line as 13 is now on PC. and Well, 13, um, 13 2 is on PC. 7 is on PC. It's just not the, like that full HD remake. Just like 7 is on the PlayStation Network now, but it's like yeah. just the, it's the old one. It's, it's just the old, old one. It's the, it's yeah. the PlayStation 1 version. I just bought yeah. it for the PC too. I'm so hyped. I, I want to know, like, I'm sure Steam like did this on purpose. Of course. But I want to know how many people bought Final Fantasy VII on the PC because of this announcement. Of course they did. 
evil geniuses in the back twirling their mustaches and their dollars. Yeah. Like, Seriously, insane. just just take my money. Just shut up and take my money. <laughs> this game is 20 years old. But you know moving. what? There was another Final Fantasy announcement that I am personally almost just as hype about. That's totally you. I saw um, that. I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like seriously. <laughs> and they have another game coming out called World of Final Fantasy. It's so cute. Oh, my God. There was squeeing. I squeed. It was so <laughs> cute that I squeed in my room yeah. by myself. But All the chibi Final all, Fantasy. Like, the tiny little Final Fantasy characters and the tiny little, oh, look at the little black mages and all the little oh monsters. And they looked so adorable. And it was kind of like when they first came out with the artwork for Persona Q mm-hmm. and how chibi and cute and awesome everybody yeah. looked. And it was the yeah. same thing. It's like I love key that. into that. I love yeah. it so much. It's like... Yeah. Oh, it's so kawaii. I love <laughs> so kawaii. this. I need it. I need it. Oh, I need it. Man. And I know that obviously World of Final Fantasy is completely overshadowed by the Final Fantasy VII remake. But at the same time, it looks so adorable. And it's a new story. Yeah. And which I is love cool. that. And it's like the one announcement of something that they made is coming out for the Vita. Oh, no, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. As a Vita owner, I was like, oh, what are they going to? They're not going to. Oh, okay. Well, fuck y'all. So. <laughs> You That's kind of how I, I think felt. like Sony might be wondering like, oh, why do people keep saying the Vita's dead? And it's like, because you never announce anything for it specifically. Humbra. I mean, everybody else who has mobile anything is like, oh, and we're putting out this for our portable gaming system. Or we're putting out this for our portable gaming system. With Sony, the only mention you get of the Vita is in the text at the end of the trailer. They don't even actually say Vita in their presentation. I, yeah, I, I'm kind of sad about Sony not having... Um, much to say about the Vita, um, but that's okay. Um, there's so much other good stuff, including even more than Final Fantasy, The Last Guardian. Oh like, yeah, this is oh, so many years. It's it's like this was the we're gonna reward all your patience. So it's like when yeah. I was waiting for the Saints to win the Super Bowl. Basically, all those years for like thirty yeah. years, you're waiting yeah. for the Saints to win the Super Bowl, and they finally do, and that is what this E3 felt like for me and Sony. Right, and so like the Last Guardian, for those of you who don't know, is this game that's been in development when the PS3 was announced ten years ago, practically. It's been in development for like seven years, but they've been like showing footage or not showing footage or like the tiniest image saying this game's not dead, guys. Have faith. We're we're coming in working, and people are just like, this is vaporware, which means it doesn't exist. And it just, no one really paid attention to it. And then here they are showing gameplay. It looks really crazy great. Instantaneously evokes that Shadow of the Colossus eco feel. Like, so just it's, looks it's mystical, just magical fun. Like, yeah. And one thing that Eco and Shadow of the Colossus both did, like, the atmosphere of both these games. Like, despite the fact that in each of them, it's like, you as the player are one of, like, maybe five characters in the entire mm-hmm. game. But it right. feels real in this fantasy, yeah. crazy, dream state kind of way. Yeah. But it's so just like, I'm going to pull out a really weird reference here, but it's kind <laughs> of like reading Ocean at the End of the Lane mm-hmm. by Neil Gaiman. I get the the same feels out of that book as I get out of these two games. And it's yeah. just like, yes, let me dive into this crazy world that is just like so different from our own. But it's like yeah. all the emotions are there. And it's like yeah. somehow just more pure or something yeah. like that. Like it's it's hard for me to describe, but just no, the, I get all the pure feels. Is a, pure <laughs> is a good word. 
you know, they generally focus on young people trying to achieve a goal as too many games. But this game is it, it, it does feel lonely. It does feel solitary. The world isn't generally populated. And, you know, it's usually your main character and a companion and you're just trying to get somewhere. And I just thought about it as you were talking and I was like, what they are able to do, they make gameplay out of like simple tasks. You know, like trying to reach some place, just getting over there is like, is he going to die? Like he yeah. needs to go like 10 feet, but there's like a chasm of doom beneath him. Oh, yeah. Like Mario, jump over it. No, it's not quite that simple. The animation. The like kind of, it's this whole because your protagonists are young. They're like children. Yeah. And it's not it's not like you throughout the course of the game, like get uber powerful and you're stringing no. together combos like other games and stuff like that. It's like this whole real kind of like struggle to exist and struggle to continue and, and get mm-hmm. to where you're going. Yeah. And it's just really amazing. And so like, I'm just so excited for it. Yeah. it. I just, between, that was like the one, two combo. Like, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing that it, it's real. It's, it's really happening. It's really, it's really coming. <laughs> now we're going to wait three years. Yeah. But you know what? I'll take that it's, it's real and we're, we're seeing pieces of it and that it's, it's not dead. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of not dead, I th- I don't feel like I can talk about Sony's presentation without talking about Square Enix's as well at the same time. Square Enix perfected the art of trolling the audience at E3 this year. Yeah. Because they yeah. bring out the producer of Kingdom Hearts and they're like, oh, you know, we have some great news for you. We've got a great announcement. And then they announce a Kingdom Hearts mobile game. Yeah. And everybody, you could hear the groans. You could hear the yeah. groans from the audience. And then after they announced the mobile game, which no one remembers, then they played the trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah. And it looks fantastic. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts, you know, it's a series that I could never get into. I think I just couldn't comprehend the marriage of Square Enix and Disney. Like, my body rejected it. It's like, not that it's bad at all. It's just literally like, it just bounced off of me. And that's okay. You I know. mean, you're seriously, you like summon the teacups, the ride yeah. to defeat monsters. But mm-hmm. like the gameplay looks really, really good. The monsters look, uh, I mean, it's just got that whole, all the things, all the things that we've been waiting for for so long, Kingdom Hearts yeah. 3. And this trailer looked really good. Yeah. So hopefully that means that this will come out sooner rather than later. Well, that's very cool. There's also one more thing I want to talk about in regards to Sony, and that was the announcement of another bomb, Shenmue 3. For those of you who don't know, Shenmue is this legendary game that was on the Dreamcast. It was, at the time, renowned for everything that could ever be graphics and gameplay and length and depth and choices and just so much like going on in Shenmue. And you know, the Shenmue 2 came out and then Shenmue died with the Dreamcast. But Shenmue has been just sought after longer than maybe even the other games we mentioned before. This game is much beloved by its fan base. So when they came out and were like, yeah, Shenmue 3 is coming. Oh, yeah. And you can go to Kickstarter and contribute. I could feel just half the world shift again to run to their keyboards and just type and give money to this game, which has achieved, I think, last time I checked, this is like maybe 48 hours, $3 million. First couple hours, it attained a million, which is one half of its goal of $2 million. So yeah, it's they have another, another one that's it's breaking Kickstarter records left and right. Yeah, the nerds, man, we are a force. Our dollars are yours if you give us what we want. Yeah, seriously. And you know what? Kickstarter has, I think, taught a lot of 
developers and publishers that they really will pay for it and they'll <laughs> we, keep paying for it. Yeah, we want it. Like, it's so good. I mean, I'm so grateful. But yeah, it's so cool that Shenmue, The Last Guardian, and Final Freaking Fantasy Seven are coming. And Kingdom Hearts 3. And Kingdom Hearts 3. It's just like... It just looks so good. And I then just, there's another Uncharted. There's Uncharted oh, yeah. 4. Yeah, which, which, which looks incredible. Which looks so good. And that's another one. Like, Uncharted's not really a series that I'm super into. But yeah. I was watching this gameplay. I was watching this footage. And I was just like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, totally that's your division. That. That's your division. And that's cool. We can report. We can expand our horizons. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. There's a game called Horizon, uh, which is coming out. And it's like this post-apocalyptic take. And this is really interesting to me because I'm not a big fan of post-apocalyptic games, not even Fallout. And the way they approached this trailer and gameplay was that the world had ended and they viewed modern day humanity, uh, the survivors, humans, as like the ancient ones or the lost civilization. And I was like, why has no one ever done this before? Like, why hasn't that concept been explored even more, you know? Like the after end of the AI? Fall? Well, that doesn't count. Like that, in the end of AI is like, the bulk of AI is much more like, oh, we're in the future and then aliens come at the end. Like that's, you know, that's not the same. But this is like the entire setting is built in this world with a human being trying to navigate it and her lore and her perspective. And I really liked how they took it um, narrative form wise. And how they just basically dispense the information. And you learned as you went, like, oh, wait, that's our world. That um, sounds really cool. I'll have to yeah, check it out. I, yeah. You know, everything else, I guess, eclipsed it in my mind. Oh, yeah, for sure. I do want to talk about one other thing. No Man's Sky. Like, this game must be mentioned. Um, did you see the trailer for this or any of the, the gameplay for this? I missed that one. Okay. You got to check this game out. Basically, it's the biggest game ever. You're in space. And you go to a solar system and you have the entire solar system and then you go down to a planet. The planet is planet sized. There are creatures. It's populated. There's quests on this planet. Then you pull out and you're on the, you're in the solar system and then you pull out. You're in your little cluster of stars. Then you pull out even further in the entire galaxy. Each sun, which is like, I lost count because I couldn't count that fast. I don't think anybody could. Thousands of areas to play in like this and generated and named and full of content and it boggles the mind like space boggles the mind and this game is <laughs> just awesome. like yeah i couldn't like literally like it's again not my kind of game you know you can get into you know space turf fights with other rogue factions or you can you know shoot a dinosaur if you want and it just looked incredible no man's sky definitely go check it out yeah that's awesome I think that brings us to not the final presentation, which was Square Enix, but the second to last will be the last one that we talk about, and that is Nintendo. Nintendo is a, a company that I have a lot of love for their products, who wasn't a child of the 80s and like played Super Mario Brothers and all of that, but it's, it's definitely like I have fallen out of infatuation with the Mario side of mm -hmm. Nintendo, but there were some really interesting games that they announced um one of which was like this like woolly world luigi and this i mm -hmm. guess like i don't know why yarn was a theme <laughs> at e3 this year but luigi yeah. and his world are made of yarn yeah and it was super adorable and super cute but like yeah. nintendo was all about the family focus yeah and i don't know maybe it's because i you know don't have children's yeah it could be i think that's a big part of it you know nintendo they marched to the beat of their own drummer and that's really cool I guess I, you know, in the interest of transparency, my brother is big at Nintendo, y'all. He was at E3 doing presentations and 
helping facilitate and he's part of Treehouse Live. He was and on so, the front page of Twitch playing yeah, Star Fox. Yeah, that's my bro. So, so much love for my brother and what he's done with his career at Nintendo. Um, that said, I'm with you, Pooja. I ain't crazy about Nintendo. So, so, you know, I love my bro, but I'm not, you know, I'm not in that place where the games grab me by and large. Yeah. You know what, though? There were a few, like, Zelda Triforce heroes. Yeah. And talk this to is, me about it. This is another place where, like, Nintendo is always pushing stuff for the 3DS. I think the Luigi game is going to come out for the 3DS. I could be mistaken there. But Zelda Triforce Heroes is like a co-op dungeon crawler with your Zelda characters on the 3DS. And it's so... And it looked really good. And then also Hyrule Warrior Legends is finally coming to North America. So you're going to be able to get your Zelda fix on. Yeah, I think but there was a lot of disappointment and that there wasn't a proper Legend of Zelda game. These were all kind of different styles than the traditional Legend of Zelda games. So I think I've registered that on my radar as people are like, oh, can we just get the real Zelda come out? Like that's No, but at the same time, like, I think nobody's going to be happy until, like, the next big Zelda game comes out. I'm happy that these other properties are coming out because at least you get a little bit of that. You get a little bit of your Zelda fix. And they look good. This yeah. is another thing about Nintendo. Like, Nintendo developed properties always look good. And when they come out, you know they're going to play well. Well, and you I'm, know they're going to be fun. Let me, let me, I'm going to call you out. You got to go buy a Wii U then. No. No, I don't. <laughs> okay. You got it. You got your 3DS. You're good, right? Yeah. I got my 3DS. I'll play on that. But you okay. know what else? The thing about Nintendo's presentation that I found a little odd was they did a lot of, like, kind of trailer montages. Mm-hmm. But outside of... Um, Paper Mario and this Luigi game and a couple of others, they didn't really like push their upcoming games very much individually. Yeah. Um, so there was a new trailer for Fire Emblem Fates. I'm super excited What's that? about that. Wait, is that the new Fire Emblem with like the three different Fire Emblems that you got to buy? It's the new Fire Emblem. And I don't know about three different Fire, Emblem, Fire Emblems that you have to buy, but <laughs> yeah. you can choose which side you're on. Yeah, that's the one. Guess what? The side you choose is the version you're going to buy. If you want to play the other side, you need to buy that other game for $40. <laughs> oh, I'm sad. I know. Maybe and that's why a... they didn't push it very hard. Right? But then, um, and then there's a new Xenoblade coming out. Yeah. And Shin Megami Tensei X Fire Emblem. Which, yeah, that's the game that I'm excited about. Seriously, this game looks ridiculous in the best of ways. So, yeah. But yeah, it just felt like that new trailer came out but they didn't really talk about it at all no they didn't and i, I guess they figured like, that the nerds would show up you know yeah but but it did feel like nintendo's presentation was kind of like rather than focus on like new games that are coming out like core games there was a lot of kind of ancillary stuff you know we talked about Force heroes there's a new metroid prime game coming out but it's not like a regular metroid prime game it's called like federation force Mm-hmm. And it's another one that's like multiplayer co-op, three-on-three kind of action stuff rather than, you know, your past Metroid games. And people have been waiting for a new Metroid game for a lot longer than they've been late waiting for a new Zelda. It's true. I, another aspect I want to talk about was the puppet wackiness that they showed. I was like, those puppets are amazing, first of all. I they loved just that. Like, I loved the puppets. Yeah, like Miyamoto-san and um, Fiazame and all those guys. They looked amazing. And I just loved the whole Sesame Street vibe of it. But it was so like, what? You know, like, I was just like, 
I get it, but why? Okay, because well, it's weird. That, like the way it started off the presentation, but as you continued to watch it, it made more and more sense as it went on. Yeah, it was yeah. like oh, and then with the yarn, and then with this like weird jam session that's going right. to happen. But well, it was what's just cool? This whole like they were projecting their brand a lot more mm-hmm. than they were promoting their games. True, true. And that was cool, but at the same time, like the buzz that I've been reading about on the internet's is that people were really underwhelmed. Uh, as a whole with Nintendo's presentation. And I think it's because they did expect like a big, like they expected new games, like major primary properties, things like that, and they didn't get it. But because I guess I'm not a Nintendo fangirl, I was really happy with what I saw. Yeah. Was there anything else at this E3 that caught your eye? There was a PC gamer show. For the first Mm -hmm. time at E3, there was a presentation dedicated to PC games. Yeah. And I was really excited for it. Especially after all the announcements from Sony, from Bethesda, everything, like all these new announcements, all these new games, like all these waited for properties, that there was so much hype that mm-hmm. maybe they would, even though Valve said they weren't going to code E3 this year, that maybe Half-Life 3 would come out. So mm-hmm. I watched this like two hour PC gamer show and it was so awkward. That's what I heard. Yeah. Games that I was super into, XCOM 2 announced awesome Yay, yeah oh oh and there was a new pillars of eternity oh expansion, expansion coming yeah. out um, part one white white march. white witch part one is coming the white out. march white, white march. march my bad yeah that looked cool um i like the narrative um you know i they kind of said this was coming down the pike and they wanted to kick out some expansion dlc for people so they could get their hands on it pretty quick so it's going to come in two parts xcom 2 you know, it's kind of like, uh, what's happening here? Well, because the story is that you actually lost. The aliens win. And so you're in this world where the aliens are dominant. And uh, you kind of have to fight your way up from the underground, which I think is a great take. It's not necessarily where I kind of like to start from. Um, I love the way the original XCOM started with the invading force. But I think this is brilliant. It makes a lot of sense. And it does it make a lot of really sense good. with a sequel. Because, I mean, yeah. the first one, you have the invading force. So now if you're going to have a sequel, like it's either going to be, it can go, you know, a couple of ways. You either yeah. lost right. and you have to, you are the resistance now, or right. there's like the whole like Cylon Battlestar kind of idea. Well, there's, there's any number of ways they can go with it. I think it is rare and unusual that they would take the uh, attack that you lost. Um, it's just unusual, uh, which is great. Again, I don't have any real, real issues with it. It kind of got me excited at the more I watched. Oh, and also Divinity Original Sin Enhanced Edition was given like a lot of playtime. So I got my eyeballs on that and it it looks so good. Like Divinity Original Sin, not a perfect game, but an amazing game and a contender for one of the best RPGs in the past 10 years. Easy. This Enhanced Edition is just everything you would want. So I'm pretty excited about that too. Yeah. There were a lot of expansions or revamped editions and stuff like that announced at PC Gamer like in that showcase Mm -hmm. and i'm hoping because obviously this is the first year they're doing it it's going to go through some kind of growing pains yeah i'm hoping that next year they focus more on new properties coming out yeah i got the feeling that what they did was they were like we don't know who's going to show up we're going to invite everybody Mm -hmm. everybody is going to get an invite and then maybe like 10 percent of them will actually show and Mm. instead what happened was like they sent out all these invites and like 80 percent of the people decided to show Oh, yeah. So it was like these people would come out 
and it was like this talk show set up. Uh. So they would shake hands with the dude who was hosting, who was behind his like desk. Stupid. Sit on the couch. This ain't Conan. Let's go. I mean, it seriously, it was. <laughs> and they would talk for like 10 seconds, show their what? trailer, and then leave. And the next person would come. Uh, that's terrible. And it was so, when I say it was awkward, that's what I mean. It was just yeah. really, like no real time was given to people. The guy who was hosting it, like Ubisoft had Aisha Taylor. And had it been somebody, like, of her caliber... Right. It would have been entertaining. It would have been entertaining. But this guy was... He was kind of terrible. Yeah. Like, I hate to say that. And he has his own show on PC Gamer, and they do things. But, like, in terms of, like, him hosting and, like, carrying this whole broadcast... No, no. It did not work. It, he yeah. is not Conan. He is he, not... Right. You need to double book Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb from G4. I know they're already down there. I was oh, about to f- say, um, Bethesda <laughs> already had them tied up. Right. I know, but you know, hey, give them a moment. I don't know, something. I mean, so, there are a lot of, like, there are a lot of people, and I think that maybe going outside to a more well known name, a personality, like somebody who could really carry that through line what, across what, a lot of different developers. You know would what? Work I know really just the well. guy. I know just the guy. He was actually at E3 today, and Kanye West can be the host. I'm going to let or... you finish, but <laughs> no. <laughs> But, you know, hey, Kanye West, Aisha Tyler, E3, this is what's happened this week. And that leads us naturally into the weekend Geek. So apart from E3, which is still happening this week, what's going on? Uh, you know, what just went on what is that just went on? Dad Game of Thrones finale. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Becky, look at that blade. What? What? But, Yeah. And can I just say, those of you who who care about spoilers, now Stop. is the time to turn us off. I love you yeah. all. Peace. Because... In three, two, one. Oh my God, Jon Snow. Jon Snow dead, y'all. Or, I mean, you know what, though? Because, like, Melisandre, the Red Lady, is there. Yeah, the there's Red all Lady kinds is of theories. There. She can't, after, oh my God, she just ditched Stannis. It was she just was like, like, peace out, she bitches. Like, she gave him, like, the side eye. He gave her the brush off. She was like, hey, I'm out of here. I mean, it was so just... <laughs> awful. And then, it, which led me completely into my whole thing. Like, I've talked about this on the show before. That Brienne of Tarth and her, like, near misses mm-hmm. with Arya and Sansa Stark. And there was another one in this episode. Yeah. I was like, you are not resurrecting this freaking trope right now again. Yeah. And it totally took me out of the moment. And I was, like, so pissed. I was like, no, yeah. just don't. Just don't do this this way again. You've done it too many times. Well, listen, at least they didn't kill him. They almost did. Almost got Sansa. They just, yeah, Game of Thrones. Look, I can take it. I've read those books, as I said, starting in high school. And I was shocked when they tossed little Bran out the window at the end of that book in 1995 when I read it. But at 2015, 20 years later, I'm just like, ooh, y'all don't care. No, they you don't do not them. care. No, Speaking <laughs> of, Bran was like not in this season. At all. And that's what people are saying. Look, Jon Snow, Kit Harrington, who plays him, he's like, I'm not going to be in there next season. They killed me off. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be back on the show. This is fantasy land. It Bran is. hasn't been on this show. It's and, not like Bran is dead. Like, Bran went right. into the tree. Exactly. And then dis- and disappeared from the show. And they just right. never went back to it. And it's like, wait, nope. but the things, though, and the people with the things. Yeah. But, you know, I guess, like, especially when you have a cast this large and the way the books are split up as well. 
Mm-hmm. And I know Wheel of Time, I, I make this comparison a lot, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But Wheel of Time did the same thing. Like, if one character gets a little bit too far ahead story-wise, right. then you, you don't see to. him for a book. But that's the virtue of TV, let's be real. Like, TV allows you to cut back. And they've actually been pretty good with it, up to, I think, the brand being the only exception. You know, about re- reintroducing other characters and stepping away. Because, as you said, in Game of Thrones and in the Wheel of Time series, the author will spend extended periods of time with people. But I think well, TV but, is... But at the same is, time, like, Reek's sister... yeah. She just disappeared off the face of the planet, too. Um, to me, that's kind of lazy, but that's another conversation. <laughs> I'm just saying, um, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's not the first time they've done it, but right. it is, I think, the most noticeable time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, also, those people who, the resurrecting people, they're going oh, yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, Jon Snow, there's a number of ways he can have escaped permanent obliterations. You know, it is magical fantasy land. All things are possible. But other characters, Marcella, hey, we got our daughter back. Awesome. She did. <laughs> like, like, oh, oh, man. Also, let's give him a shout out. You know, I saw Indira Varma's like name on the credits. And I was that, like, you get yours. The kiss of death. Literally the kiss of death. Yeah. yeah right? The and, actual kiss of death. And I was watching that. It was so funny because it was just like, I watched it with a couple of friends and Charles mm-hmm. was like, that oh, yeah. poison lipstick dough. And, <laughs> and then like five minutes later, it's like. Yeah, you called that, man. Yeah, you called yeah. it. But it was um, just, it was great. But also, I felt kind of bad, but I was just like, Jamie, you are so useless. You know, I mean, yeah. That, what can be said? And that moves us on in Game of Thrones land to, I guess, da- Daenerys, who's captured by another Kalasar. Like, welcome back to the horses. Did you, <laughs> this is the thing, and I really, I kind of appreciated the Dothraki scene. I was like, this yeah. is happening, and this is amazing. And I feel the menace, but also the way that she faced it. Mm-hmm. And I just have so, I have to give mad props to that actress, because she is so amazing. She's doing a good job. I will say... I didn't envision Daenerys looking like her. I had some issues with her wig. But now she's Daenerys for me. And um, that's really good. You can't give any higher compliment to a performer than that. So Yeah, that is true. Well, speaking of amazing performances, Lena Headley. Yeah, Lena Headey. She, she, Damn. Yeah, Lena I said Headley. Headley. I said Headley last week. It's all good. Yeah, she brought it. No, I mean, they brought it and she brought it back. Yeah, I knew that the penance walk was going to come and it was everything that I thought it would be. That was amazing. That was a really... Yeah powerful scene really made me think about like today and how we shame celebrities and you know it was graphic and lots of dirty words and lots of nudity and cruelty and i was just like not so different from what society does today it's really not so i'm really excited to see what happens with cersei yeah and then she got her she but speaking of resurrection let's go back to it big old mountain came back yeah mountain is back right sir i forgot what his name was but yeah the mountain carried her and you know still haven't seen much of tommen and you know a few other things but hey it's all good there's lots of ground we can cover still in game of thrones Arya's blind you know she finally got marin trant oh boy did she get marin trant that scene just like and it takes a lot in game of thrones to shock me at this point that did it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you talked about before, you talked about Arya, you know, I'm attached to her. Like, and I was like, she got a lot of blood on her hands. I don't, and I'm going to say it again. Like, and I know you're like, oh, I don't want her to die. All the characters die. And I'm like, I feel like this girl is just, I don't know. She's headed down a dark path. She so. is at it. She has definitely chosen a dark path. She goes for this training, but she goes for a purpose. Mm-hmm. But in order to get the training she needs to fulfill her purpose, she has to give up her purpose. Yeah. And she obviously hasn't done that. And that comes back to kind of bite her. Yeah. At the end of this episode. She, she, was, she was blind to it. Blind to all else. Yeah, exactly. Um, blind, blind to everything but her vengeance. 
and it has come back to eclipse her vision in other ways. <laughs> I think that we're going to see a lot more. We're going to see a lot more of Arya in the coming season, even yes, if she are. is not seeing a lot of other things. I think I think that's a fair a fair risk assessment. So yeah, Game of Thrones was definitely like a shocker. But speaking of public people's eyes in the public, and uh, I'm going to talk about Rachel Dolezal. I got to do it. Every day is an unfolding saga with this. And this is like, this lady, y'all, I am just puzzled and incensed and just laughing my head off. This woman is a mystery wrapped inside of Enigma. And I've come to the latest like determination that she's mentally ill. That's where I'm at right now. You, my dear, are not with us fully. Well, what's crazy about that whole situation is like, how many years, how many decades has she been passing? Right? Right? I mean, and this is crazy because if we talk about the kind of language that I have to to talk about this is generally right. the language of like people of color mm-hmm. have historically in America attempted to pass as white. And that is a thing that has gotten a lot of us through life. I mean... I say us, but I I can't pass. Right, people of color, though. But people of color. But this is a woman who passed for decades as black. Yep. That she had cosmetic surgery, a weave, the whole nine, constructed this whole history for herself. Yep. Rose to a position of power in the NAACP. NAACP, which is where I my sticking point. Because I'm like, you know what? You be who you want to be. That's fine. But she rose, as you said on this path, dealing with the National Association for Colored People, essentially, and for the advancements of colored people. And she wasn't transparent about who she really was. And that's kind of what I think the NAACP's goal was, is to be like, hey, this is for colored people, but you don't have to be colored to be part of the NAACP. That's where I take exception. I'm like, you kind of undermined your entire life's work. (laughs) And it, it, you know, it's painful for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. And it's, I mean, I've seen a lot of like, obviously, I've seen a lot of talk about the situation and her she did an interview in which she like very succinctly dodged all the important questions it was amazing she did a really good job of that i was like I was like you could give some politicians well some lessons seriously seriously but it's raised a lot of questions for people especially in the light of caitlin jenner yes of caitlin yeah. jenner and a lot more kind of identity and self-identifying mm-hmm. people and in in sexuality and mm-hmm. like, oh, does that apply to race? And it's like, you know, in a way, you can identify with a culture. Exactly. But to then, like, deceive. And also, yeah. in terms of her position in the NAACP, and this is an issue, this is kind of where I take issue with it, is you're speaking to experiences that you've literally not had. We're all trying to change the world for the better for people of color. Mm-hmm. I, I like to think we all are. I mean, obviously... Well. I don't know if we all are, but (laughs) yeah, I don't know if we all are, but I think that, hey, and you're in NAACP, that's your mission. And if you're a person of color, you know, you want to do okay in life. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. Right. So anyway, as you were saying. But yeah, I mean, it's just that, that you're misrepresenting the experiences that you've had and it's that deception that really in the end bothers me because it's, it's not, I mean, yeah, like although race is a social construct. That doesn't mean that it doesn't have real impact on people's lives every day. Right. I don't think that she's saying that it doesn't. I think that it's how she, as you said, navigated that, that does the impact, you know? And for me, ideally, I'm going to speak to the ideal. Had she been identifying as a white woman and doing everything that she's done 
it would be so much more powerful and so much more visible had she taken all that energy out of herself, out of her ideas about race and put them and accepted herself to see a white face speaking the truth and make doing good is so much more powerful. So again, how she views herself, I don't, I'm not, who am I to say? How Caitlyn Jenner views herself, I have no say in that, right? But if your work is dealing with the topic at hand and you are something else, it becomes problematic. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much more to say about this, but I just had to had to speak a little little words on that part. Yeah, you know, although we are generally about all the geeky things, in the end, we're both people of color. Yeah. And this yeah. is definitely it's, something that's hey, out there and is, impacting. This is the brown and black part of the coats and the magic kids. Yeah, so. Exactly. <laughs> so. so speaking of the brown and black parts. Yeah. And the coats and the magic, American Gods has gotten greenlit by stars. Hey, how cool is that? Really, really great. That actually reminds me of Nalo Hopkinson's book is on Kickstarter and it wants to be made into a feature film. I think not Kickstarter, but it's on crowdfunding. I'm not sure what the crowdfunding website is, but her book, um, Brown Girl in the Ring, is going to be adapted to a feature film. So, awesome. Yeah. So she's a, a black female writer and it'd be really cool to have her fantastic novel, her brown coat black magic novel on the silver or and or ginormous big old screen. So that's cool. Great. Anything else for the Weekend Geek? Oh, man. Steam sale. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> I know we talked about it last week, but it's going on right now. It Steam is. Sale. It is happening. In fact, so. like, I kind of want to sign off because the new Flash seals just went live. Oh. Yeah, we need to do that, guys. So thank you so much for listening to Brown Coats Black Magic. Clearly, we have our priorities in order, as do you, for listening to us. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at BCBM Show. Or on Facebook, search Brown Coats Black Magic. And as ever, on iTunes or SoundCloud or our homepage, browncoatsblackmagic.com. Catch you next time. <laughs>